Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, May 20th, and welcome to the Thinkers Uncensored podcast. I wanted to talk today about Anthony Fauci and his role with the Wuhan lab. I also have a special anonymous guest today that's going to be talking about the economic impacts of what has been happening uh, with everything that is going on. So first of all, I wanted to uh, talk about this information that just came out with Rand Paul when he questioned Dr. Fauci about him directly funding the Wuhan lab. Um, Dr. Fauci adamantly stated that he did not and documents were produced showing that he did indeed sign off to funding directly the Wuhan lab coronavirus research. So um, he did this through the Shell Company of the Eco Health Alliance. This was funded for several years, and he did sign off on that. Um, and this Eco Health Alliance is run by a man named Peter Dasik. Peter Dasik is the British director of at least six different projects of the Wuhan lab. So he was funding Peter Dasik through the Eco Health Alliance. And the Wuhan lab was conducting what is called gain-of-function experiments. So gain-of-function experiments is um, a wordsmithing that they utilize uh, that most of us will look uh, as bio-weapon research. But this gain-of-function research is supposedly where they study these viruses so that if some other country with nefarious purposes releases them, they will be able to... Um, create a vaccine that will save the world. But if you look at what is going on with everything, um, these type of viruses, uh, five different coronaviruses found in one, is not a likely scenario in nature. Um, It is extremely unlikely, and we are the ones, in fact, creating this bioweapon, this biohazard. So they were doing these gain-of-function experiments to uh, specifically create a vaccine for this purpose. And there are several interviews available um, of Peter Dasik stating how easy it is to manipulate coronaviruses and how easy it is to manipulate the spike protein on the coronavirus. Now, this type of research is banned by the United States government. Okay, so this was actually uh, in UNC. They were working on this in 2015 and people were complaining this is illegal type of research. So they did take that research that was originally started at UNC and send it off to Wuhan because, again, the United States government bans this type of research because it's dangerous. Look what happened. Um, But the NIH was funding this and Fauci is the one that signed off on all of the funding of the coronavirus research via the Eco Health Alliance. So he's funding DASIC, who's running all of this stuff. And DASIC is over here bragging about creating a coronavirus super virus that has at least five different coronavirus strains and how it can infect humans so that they can make a vaccine to quote unquote protect everybody, right? So, um, Again, this is a bioweapon, but they are calling it gain-of-function research. Um, Never in nature are five different coronaviruses from all over the world going to combine into one big super virus uh, to have this happen naturally. We created this, and in India, if you guys remember, early last year, 
uh, people were talking about how they scanned this virus in a lab and they found HIV insertions along with five different coronaviruses in India that were spliced together in a lab. So these people do this for a living um, with the CRISPR gene editing technology. It is very easy to see the splicing and the insertions and how they have literally created this super bug all together. So this is where we are with everything. And then you're going to take some of the um, some of the warnings that these people said. So Fauci in 2017 came out and stated that the next administration, aka the Trump administration, would be facing a unprecedented outbreak. So I'm going to play Tony Fauci's own words right now. I thought I would bring that perspective to the topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And I hope by the end of my relatively... So there it is in his own words. There will be a surprise outbreak. How did the man who was funding this specific research know that there would be a surprise outbreak during the next administration? Can someone please tell me how this man is able to predict that and try and tell me that this is a coincidence. Now, another person who was partially funding this through different affiliates is Bill Gates. In October of 2019, Bill Gates hosted Event 201 with Johns Hopkins University. Event 201, again, this is October of 2019 when we did not know quote unquote, when the, the general public did not know that this was happening, uh, a pretend coronavirus live exercise. So I'm going to play some audio for you because this is available on YouTube right now. You can look up, um, use a DuckDuckGo browser, not Google. Google is censoring this. Event 201 Pandemic Exercise Highlights Real. And this is through the Center for Health Security. So here is their highlight reel. I'm gonna play the beginning of it for you. It began in healthy looking pigs months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. Gradually, farmers started getting sick. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care, many, so bill gates funded this event 201 fauci predicted a surprise pandemic and despite all of this china is still sitting here vastly unaffected by the virus as the rest of the world's economies shut down so i'm going to bring in my guest who specializes in economics. And we're going to talk a little bit about the economic impact of everything that has been going on and how this is affecting us. So thank you for being here. 
Absolutely. My I pleasure. definitely appreciate you coming on today. I know a lot of people are going to be very interested in what you have to say. So in general, what are your thoughts? What are you, what are you thinking with all of this? Yeah, so let's. Uh, w- what I like to do to set up the conversation is to take uh, a minute to travel back in time. Let's go back to before COVID. Uh, I think that gives us a lot of perspective on what was going on in the world. And what was happening there, and I, I want to try to keep Trump out of this because you know we're, we're using pure numbers here, is that the U.S. economy was firing at all cylinders. And with all of the new trades that were negotiated, um, you could argue that China lost a lot of their uh, benefits mm-hmm. that were held previously. And so in light of that, we truly became and were only the superpower in the entire world to control both a large military and a superb economy. Um, And so in this environment, you really can't rule the world with just a military because everybody has nuclear arms. Everybody has a large standing army Um, where the battles are fought these days are in the uh, internet space, you see that with the hacking and, and Russia taking control of our pipeline, and also in the economic space, where they want to hurt you is really in your pockets. Um, and so when we fast forward, you kind of see a, a pattern here of, of what it is that our enemies need to do to bring down the might of the United States. Um, And really, when you think about it, going toe-to-toe with us is the last thing any country wants to do on a battlefield, right? right? So um, economically, that was the only shot they had. And so what was the fastest way to do that? Uh, And you and I have had discussions previously about uh, controlling people through fear. Mm -hmm. And what easier way or method to do that than a virus something you can't see you can't see it you can over uh intensify the coverage right you can manipulate the numbers it's alien it's brand new there's nothing that would suggest that this is something that we can control or have seen before it is the perfect tool and so now if we fast forward to what happened almost immediately after the discovery of of the COVID-19 strain, our economy plummets. You can go to any uh, of the studies to uh, show you exactly what happened to our economy because we shut down the production here in the United States. We laid off a lot of people from working. And all of this, again, in the effort to reduce exposure. Right. That's the that's the lie that they told everyone. Right. So we need to keep everybody at home. We don't need to go out in public. We don't need to keep uh, socializing uh, because of this made up flu. Right. Now, let's contrast that to China. And here's a few things I want to remind your listeners, uh, because there's really not a lot of information out there that um, could put things into context for the virus itself that originated in China. So we know what's happening. So we know what originated in China. We know I that. Mean, we've that's got the evidence yeah, showing that's that it right. did. That, yeah, that is not disputable. We, we know it did, right? Um, you could argue 
that it was in an effort to create a vaccine that would never occur naturally in nature. I mean, uh, there's no uh, historical evidence to provide um, any sense in that five viruses will come together and, and create the super virus. But anyway, that's a different argument. The point is, when we look at China during this entire onset, we find that their economy was not affected like everybody else. Uh, in fact, if I could just read a few of the Please. statistics, um, if we look at 2020, which I think we would argue is the height of the uh, of the pandemic or the scamdemic, rather, um, China's gross domestic product expanded 6.5%. In the fourth quarter of 2020. Wow. Um, the new data that underlined this rapid turnaround, the world's second largest economy, uh, which declined uh, in, in uh, early 2020, uh, is also now uh, seen to be the, the uh, I'm sorry, let me get the, uh, the uh, okay. So China will be the only one of the world's biggest economies that did not shrink last year because of that so all of the other economies shrunk except china where the virus originated yes that's right interesting and S you were telling me something earlier about how shanghai is how 30 minutes that's right from wuhan and well, they never shut down well so from wuhan to shanghai uh is is actually no it's a little bit longer than 30 minutes as i was doing that uh, google maps uh, threw me off but um, it's about four hours okay. uh, by train. Okay. Um, and uh, if for those that live by the coast, that's probably a, a trip to the beach, right? Um, so when we look at this, the origination of the virus, of the Wuhan virus to Shanghai, oh, I'm sorry, the distance for that virus to travel to Shanghai is four hours by uh, bullet train. Okay. Um, now, let me give you some statistics uh, around Shanghai itself. Now, Shanghai is a city with a population of 28 million people. Wow. Okay, let's just contrast that to a city that we're more aware of, and that's New York. New York has about 20 million people. Okay. So when we take a look at this, Shanghai is a um, is the number the biggest city in all of China. It is also the third largest in the world. Um, and so it is the third largest city third in the world. Largest city in the world. Okay, right? located four hours by bullet train from Wuhan, where this virus originated. Origi exactly, and where they shut down, where we saw all right. the propaganda videos. People were falling over and dying in the streets. We saw videos of them being welded into their homes. That's right. So all of that, Shanghai is only four hours away by bullet train. By so we are train. affected on the other side of the world in America. Right. So logically, right. Shanghai being the third largest city in the world right. should have been extremely affected. Extremely. So what That's happened? Right. There's no there's no sense in it. So uh, what happened is that the, it was a blip on their on their radar. Not it was not um, an effect that would shut down production, shut down the uh, the uh, socializing. Now they will tell you that they have implemented all of these uh, social distancing sure. guidelines, um, but the numbers don't show that. They don't show the same effect that you find in the European countries. Their and, economy and, didn't plummet like that's ours. That's right. You don't see that also in, in the United States, where if you truly were uh, adhering to those guidelines, your industrial production 
would plummet, right? You need right. people to go into factories. You need people to gather to be able to be uh, productive. And so uh, when we take a look at the numbers, um, there was a, an economist at uh, Cornell University. His name is Aswar Prasad. Uh, and when asked about the Chinese um, economy, um, and, and the onset of what has happened because of COVID. And I quote here, uh, he says that China is leaving other economies in the dust. <laughs> okay, so that's not uh, uh, economics uh, speech there, but I think it, it, it uh, paints the point clearly that uh, when we take a look at this and, and, um, and back away from, from the... Uh, just the uh, virus and looking at it from a, a microscope and look at the macroeconomics, who has the most to gain from something like this? Uh, and as we know, China was getting their butt kicked uh, economically. And so now the tables have turned. They are back on top uh, and have enjoyed the freedoms of being able to control production, uh, so socializing in the um, in the public sector uh, and not having to report or publicize the data. As we know, those numbers are controlled by the state, right? Right. It, and so yep. again, the data that that would come out of China is is not uh, dependable. We Let's can't just rely say. on that at all. That's it's right. all propaganda. Exactly. And I'll ask your your listeners. You know, when was the last time you ordered something from China? You know, un unknowingly, of course. But next time you order something from Amazon, let me know if it doesn't show up because everything that we order is from China, mostly, right? And so none of those things stop coming in, right? You look at your T-shirts. You look at your your coffee mugs. There was no shortage of things coming from China there was never, where this originated. That's right. And so, again, economically, there wasn't a shutdown, per se, hmm. in China. But there was around the globe here domestically in the United States and even in other European countries where production was halted and severely, severely impacted their economic GDP, which is their, um, their ability to export goods and make money on, on those exports. Well, it's so, interesting that you brought up Amazon because I was going through some of the uh, billionaires net worth that they have increased over the past year and the man who increased his net worth the most was actually Jeff Bezos who we all know owns and operates Amazon who works closely with China so we've seen this consolidation of power from these larger entities and billionaires and elites and small businesses have been shut down and crushed and I think it's a fantastic point that you mentioned Everything's still coming in from China. Your Chinese goods on Amazon are still showing up in two days at your door. That's right. And, and I make it akin to a very dark joke in that uh, we used to say here, at least when, when I was growing up, my parents would always joke that um, the, comp the same companies that created cigarettes also created the patch. Yeah. And so <laughs> they would get you addicted and then sell you the cure. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny in a dark way that this is happening also now globally where China created this fake virus uh, and then they are selling you the mask. If you look at the mask. Oh my gosh, all uh, the masks are from China. That's right. And it's what's even sicker here is that uh, going back to the cigarette analogy is that they're not even selling you the tobacco 
and it's not even addictive. So, you know, this whole <laughs> idea that the flu is killing people by the millions, billions, uh, uh, is, is just laughable. So, you know, we, I think it's uh, incumbent on us, and, and I'm, again, appreciative to be on the show, and um, it sounds like you have uh, a good following of thinkers, um, is to look at the data. You know, I've, one thing that I've always taught other students is to ask the question, who has the most to gain from this? You know, I, I always want to believe in the best of people. I always give the people benefit of the doubt, absolutely, individually. But groups of people, especially the state of China, <laughs> then I, I tend to go the other direction um, and not as trustworthy. Um, so, you know, those are my thoughts. And, and you take a look at what's happening right now in real time. Um, China is firing at all cylinders. Uh, um, there's nothing that they are lagging behind in uh, financially, in the finance sector, um, both in the um, uh, rural areas and urban cities. Uh, and going back to that point, Shanghai. A lot of folks will tell you Shanghai is a very big place, and and I would argue that's true. You know, Shanghai it has two thousand four hundred square miles. Now you compare that to a smaller uh, city like New York, which only has. Um, uh, 302 square miles. So point taken, I get that. But consider this, 90% of that 28 million live in urban areas. Right. Okay. So again, New York, you're looking at about 20 million versus uh, Shanghai has 28 million people. And so uh, a lot of those interactions are taking place in exactly the places that we are trying to avoid. Um, and so you know, if you just go back to the numbers, uh, I'm a firm believer in uh, the saying uh, being trained in economics that economics is the, is the problem and solution to all of man's uh, issues. <laughs> so um, if we just take some time to take a look at numbers, I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised uh, at what is actually going on. So taking a look at everything, I talked earlier about the Fauci funding the Wuhan lab and about the event 201 with Bill Gates and all of these things that seem to be showing a prediction miraculously of this coming in your personal opinion. And I know that you're definitely not a conspiracy theorist. You're a logical person. I know that you like to draw your own conclusions. I know that you like to look at the data. Do you think that this was an intentional bioweapon that was released on the world to help the economy of China? I absolutely believe the evidence points to that. Okay. Yes. Um, again, uh, if we take a look, especially in light of what's going on right now, uh, in, in that we found the funding came from the uh, NIH into EcoHealth that directly funded the lab in Wuhan. And Fauci signed off on that. That's right. Um, and so for us to suggest that working with China on gain of function um, uh, properties over a virus and to be able to say that we trust them to not release a virus accidentally here are the air quotes um, I think is is a little bit naive on our part uh, I think we should be able to ask that question and do as Fauci said when he testified that he'd support more investigations which we should um, anytime we are partnering with a global enemy around a virus I think that's a, the next logical question. But they won't let anybody in. Right. And so, again, 
you, if you remember the initial reports uh, uh, sent out by the state media, is that they wanted you to believe that the virus came from these wild bats. Remember, right. someone someone was eating a wild bat soup, or someone, you know, <laughs> right, and and it transferred from one uh, person to another. And I think that we've uh, debunked that, but that just shows you the power of state media. Now that has occurred in China, but slowly as we're seeing, that is also happening here in the United States. Uh, you and I have spoken about this, uh, the Mockingbird. Um, yep, Operation Operation, Mockingbird. right? Yep. And so the media here has also uh, largely claimed the same story. And so you then have a following of individuals um, at the very high uh, uh, positions that are able to spread whatever narrative they want you to follow. And, and again, we are now starting to realize that that story was so far-fetched that yes. it, 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 if you would have, if someone would have told you that today, you'd be like, no way, no way. That, exactly. No way but there that are still happened. people to this day that believe this originated from a bat at a wet market in Wuhan, right. China. And, and there are right. still people that believe that despite being faced with all of the evidence, all of the predictive programming, right. literally scans of the virus with HIV insertions and five different types of coronaviruses spliced in and experts. But these right. experts are being censored. So right. we have this state media that is loud and they yeah. are able to say whatever they want to say and they are literally silencing and crushing everyone beneath them. That's and right. it's the social media tech giants have a monopoly on conversation right now yeah exactly and and then to to those that uh are maybe on the fence about this and and for those in the back let's ask this question at the breakout of covid wouldn't it be um in the interest of national security wouldn't it be a good idea for fauci to say hey time out guys this might have something to do with a lab that we funded <laughs> in trying to uh, um, find gain of function of COVID-19. Shouldn't that be uh, information that he volunteers, again, in, in for the sake of national security and saving lives? Wouldn't that have given us a lot more information much faster? But instead, he lied about it and stated it, he did not fund that. He lied. Exactly. Why would he lie? Exactly. And we already know he, he had his fingers all over that because he had to sign off on it. Again, let's just go back to that. That is the next logical question. Why was that not mentioned when the COVID outbreak was occurring? That you helped funded. Now, again, you could say, you could argue, yeah, we were trying to solve an issue that may happen down the road and make sure that we were prepared. But Fine. either way, he's culpable. Exactly. There, there's no way around that. Uh, you know, because again, either A, you funded it. And you didn't want to get your hands dirty and you just basically gave them money and let them do whatever they want. You are responsible for that. Correct. Or B, you knew what they were doing and you gave them money and so you're responsible for that Either too. way, Fauci should have some kind of investigation into him. Absolutely. Again, again, that's the natural question. That's a line of thinking that I think is logical and uh, not surprisingly something that did not occur. Interesting. Well, I'm looking here at the COVID survival rates right now because they're pushing out the vaccines for now 12-year-old children. Um, and I have the list of survival rates right. from the Center for Disease Control. So for age 0 to 14, the survival rate if you contract COVID-19 with all of the fake PCR 
test, assuming that they're actually legitimate and positive, is 99.9998%. For ages 15 to 44, your survival rate of COVID is 99.9931%. Ages 45 to 64, 99.9294%. 65 to 85, 99.6297%. And if you are over 85, your chances of surviving COVID-19 is 98.2499%. Yet we have the big pharmaceutical companies pushing out this experimental, never been used before vaccine. They're talking about vaccine passports. They're segregating society based on their vaccine status. And again, I'm sitting here looking at this 99.93% ages 45 to 64 survival rate goes even higher under those age groups, what is going on with the economics behind this vaccine distribution and vaccine rollout for these type of survival rates? Do you think this is all tied together with China? Absolutely. So again, let's look at the uh, what we say, the tail of the tape, right? So these numbers are absolutely astronomically very high. When you take a look at just everyday living, right? We look at these numbers. Let's say you are a 46-year-old. That puts you right at the between the 45 and 69-year-old uh, spectrum. You have a likelihood of surviving of 99.924%. Now, the opposite of that is something like 0.08% of dying. Point zero 0.08%. Now, let's te- take a moment, take a deep breath, ask yourself, when have you made a decision to do anything that has a 0.08% of happening? <laughs> it, it just take a sense. moment. Make it make sense. Make, make it make sense. And, and I'll ask a lot of folks and, and say, do you know how many people were killed by a shark while at the beach (laughs) (laughs) and the statistics uh are probably close to the same 0.001 we we go to the beach for numerous years uh, millions of people and i don't remember last time someone was killed by a tiger shark right but (laughs) ask yourself the question can it happen yes absolutely it can happen do we know it has happened absolutely yes we read the stories i've seen the pictures Uh, sharks do kill people But then ask yourself, are you or do you wear a chain mail suit when you go to the beach, when you get in the water? Exactly. Do you? And I'm sorry to say, I do not. Again, we don't make decisions based on 0.08 probabilities. We don't shut down small businesses in the United States of America for a 0.08% chance of death, which, by the way, 2.9% 2.9% 2.9 comorbidities are associated with that 0.08% death. That's and right. they still have not officially isolated the COVID-19 virus and then we know that the PCR tests are terrible, are a terrible way to measure yeah. for COVID-19. So on top of all of that, um really they're convoluting a lot of other comorbidities in with these deaths. So I don't even believe that those death statistics are even accurate as well. That's right. And, and we take a look here at the double standard, right? So I, I'll point out to your listeners that um, at the very beginning, if someone died because of uh, their comorbidity, but had COVID-19 in their system, they would just check it off as COVID-19. Right. And they admitted to that. That's right. 
But let's go fast forward to now, and you have a lot of these individuals taking the vaccines, and a lot of people are reporting deaths and injuries. Right. But yep. what are they telling you at that point? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> this person died from a heart attack who just happened to have the vaccine. So again, there it's a manipulation of the data where uh, in economics, we want to stay congruent. We want to stay consistent. And so either a lot of people are dying of, uh, of COVID-19 and a lot of people are dying from the vaccine or not a lot of people are dying from COVID at all and not a lot of people are dying from the vaccine. Either way, it shows us that this is relatively benign. You, you have know, to maintain consistency numbers. with the statistical analysis. That's right. And so that the, the narrative that you're telling is actually true, not one where you get to pick and choose when to apply a statistical variable. Well, it's just absolute gross negligence. I mean, we've got these doctors that are refusing to put together the correlations. I personally am seeing thousands of testimonials of people that are getting sick, dying, stroke, heart attack, yeah. blood clots after these vaccines. And we all know, you can look this up today, the third leading cause of preventable death in the United States of America is medical error. I'm going to say that again. The third leading cause of preventable death in the United States is medical yeah, error. And we've right. got lots of risk of dying during one's lifetime. So right. heart disease, one in five people die from heart disease. One in seven die from cancer. One in 24 die from strokes. One in 38 die from just going to the hospital and getting infected. So we look at these numbers and we look at these statistics. Are we really prioritizing life and life-saving uh, therapeutics and vaccines, are these really real? Is this really what's happening? Because we're seeing death from all other ways. Um, and the, the vaccine seems to be exacerbating that with, with known carcinogens literally in the vaccine. So I talked about the SM102 chemical the other day. Um, that is a known carcinogen that is known to impair your fertility. So what are we really doing here what is really going on to the population as a whole? That's right. And, 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 and what I will tell you as a side note here is that you're exactly right. The data does not support the narrative. And so no. what they are starting to do and what you, your, you and other listeners have noticed is that they don't necessarily look at the data, but they push a different narrative and say this. Well, this virus disproportionately affects this community. Right. right. And so then you're not necessarily paying attention to what effect it's actually having on the entire population. You're paying attention to, well, 50 percent of those that are killed are in this community. And so now we should start to care because that number is far bigger than the 99.998 percentile survivability. So they're rate. picking and choosing. That's right. So now that throws a red flag because People, for the most part, are caring individuals, right? right? Yep. Obviously, Absolutely. we don't care what color you are. We care about humanity in general. But if you tell me that this group of people, 50, over 50% of them, are dying more so than another group, your immediate reaction is to say, well, we've got to fix that right now. What do we do to, to take care of those folks? Right. And then they tell that's how they jump into, well, the best way to help them is to you get vaccine and then make sure that they get vaccines. Right. So so you you have a story here 
that really tugs at your your heart. Uh, You're doing this for others. That's been that's, the whole theme of this entire thing. That's right. And and if you go back to the original strategy, which worked miraculously. Yep. Again, of wearing a mask. Remember what they told you? You're not the wearing strategy a mask. worked, not the actual masks themselves. Right. The strategy of getting you to wear a mask. Right. I want to be very clear yeah. here. <laughs> was that it wasn't for you? It was for the other person. Right. Yep. Right. Otherwise. I wouldn't, and you wouldn't be wearing a mask because we have total faith over our own immune system, right? We we are we don't have the same fear uh, over this this virus, which has a over ninety nine percent survivability rate. Well, the social pressure and the psychological manipulation of helping others—that's right—is is undeniable. I mean, this they actually did a study on this last year of how to coerce people to get the vaccine and wear masks. And one of the greatest responses, I won't do it for myself because I know I'm healthy, but I'll do it to protect somebody else. Because as humans, socially, we are good people. We That's want right. to we want to help others. That's right. Just not at the expense of our own health and not at the expense of statistics and logic and right. actual real health interventions. That's right. And so what you'll find and, and what they understood, the other side, is that race baiting is a very powerful Very weapon, powerful right? weapon. Um, and uh, we've studied this. It's called intersectionality. In right. That, um, it may be a new concept to your listeners, but uh, the basic concept is that if I am one of these so-called oppressed minority groups, let's say uh, one of the LGBTQ community, um, and you are one of the other uh, air quotes here, oppressed minority communities, then we should get together and fight the man or you know, fight uh, what we call to be our oppressors together. So my enemy's enemy is my friend. That's right. And so what you find is that a lot of these left-leaning um, organizations tend to bunch up together and say, let's be on the same side and fight this oppressive organization. So they're just convoluting it all into That's one right. they're group. They're throwing it all into one group right. and making you believe that, okay, my plight is the same as yours. Hey, if you're a minority, you should be part of our group, the LGBTQ community. And as we know... Humans are very complex creatures. We're not, you cannot put us all in a uh, square box, right? So you right. can't tell us that we should be this way because of one uh, variable or another, which they are trying to push. Let's go back to the president himself. He said, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. So again, here, the predication... It's just one of the most racist things The I've most ever racist heard. thing you Assuming could ever Assuming that people just because of their That's color right. would vote a certain way That's is... Right. Basing anybody's judgments on their color, that is the definition of racism. That's right. And what I'll, uh, again, uh, um, uh, to your listeners, anytime you hear something being used like that, change the word black to white. Right. And if it sounds racist because there's a white instead of a black, then it is racist. Right. right? You ain't white if you don't vote for me. <laughs> if, if, if someone would have said that, that would have been uh, a political suicide. Right. Um, but anyway, I digress. So let's go back to what uh, they're trying to weaponize now is 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 the race baiting scenario of if you don't care about these individuals and get a vaccine, um, you're a racist, right? So you've heard yep. that uh, being thrown around um, because it disproportionately affects a certain community, um, and so sadly, you know that has has the uh, profound effect of tugging again. 
at at our humanity, our willingness to help individuals. And there are a lot of good people out there. And even those that don't want to get the vaccine feel a strong urge to do it um, from, like you said, the social pressures that they feel uh, of being a good human being or just being a good person in general and protect those um, that are not able to help themselves. In this case, the uh, minority groups that are disproportionately affected. Yep, absolutely. So where do you think we're going to go from here? How do we fix this? Well, you know, it's it's very tough um, because I'll, I'll go back to the sciences in that Fear for us humans is the number one driver for anything that we do. If we if we go back to, um, uh, you know, our decision making process, we go to work because we fear not having money, and we fear not having money because we fear not having food, shelter, uh, the ability to provide for our loved ones and our children, and so fear is really what causes a lot of this. Uh, this chaos. And what we should be doing rather than being uh, uh, more fearful is uh, exercising more freedom. Um, And what we find is that as people exercise more freedom, we actually bounce back from this type of of chaos much faster, i.e. China, who has bounced back faster and bigger than anyone else in the world. Uh, their economy has bounced back when everybody else is still reeling and trying to catch up. But that's not attributed to freedom. They're not a free country. You're saying... That's right. They're not a free country, but they were able to go back to production. Their version of freedom existed. Is working. Is working. It's just working because their standards are so low for freedom and individual freedom. That's right. It's more than getting their worker bees back in the factories. That's right. And I'll, I'll clarify, their version of freedom is not anything like ours, but... Their version of freedom existed far earlier than our own. Right. They started that in the 70s. That's right. And if you look at where we are right now, you know, in in our scenario, there are still places where you have to wear a mask. People are still not able to go to school. They're still masking the the children at the schools, even though statistically there's almost a 0% chance of them dying. There's no statistical transmissions of the children. That's right. And and we are seeing a lot of sinus infections, um, bacterial pneumonia, and other types of psychological things that are coming out of this for the children. So this is actually to the detriment of the children and against the science, yet we are still masking the children. Why? Why do you think, in your opinion, would they do that? Okay, so... Again, we're going to go back to the um, weapons that that they are able to use against us. And psychological warfare mm-hmm. is one of their biggest weapons, right? Yep. So if we are masking our children, then we are already instilling a sense of fear. I'll go back to that again. That's going to be the theme here uh, moving forward. And, and uh, quite honestly, it's going to be the theme for any future outbreaks uh, that will occur. It's not if they occur, it's when Well, they're telling us it'll occur, occur. And just like they had exactly. that event 201, they've got the SPARS pandemic planned right. for 2024, That's 2025. Right. And they realize, and they realize that these children are going to be next year's voters. That's right. And so if we can get them at a very early age to believe in fear and to believe that wearing a mask is going to protect you from the boogeyman, then when they, by the time they reach 18 years of age and they're able to vote, 
it's a no-brainer. They've already got them on their side to follow and be compliant. And so, again, the wars are no, and the battles are no longer fought on the battlefield. Right. They are fighting it inside of our minds, inside of our economics, and inside of the, the web. So would you classify this as World War III? In many ways, that's arguably true. If you take a look at how, what is happening in the world, again, we are uh, always jousting with other countries and, and trying to position ourselves to be the superpower, air quotes. Um, but what we are not seeing are these wars that are fought behind the scenes. Right. You know, every, I think the mistake that a lot of folks make is that a war is when you have my tank on this side and your tank on that side and we fire rockets. Right. I mean, that's archaic. Now, this is a new kind of guerrilla warfare, economic warfare, biological warfare, all of the above. Information is now the the 21st century Mm -hmm. version of bullets and armaments. And they're taking out an entire side of people who disagree with their narrative and their consolidation of power. That's right. The arms race is now who can gather the most information and disseminate the most information yep right that is how these battles are fought and uh, controlling individuals with fear is going to be their their first go-to weapon so a big theme that i have on my page is this concept of staying ready of constantly being prepared for anything um biologically physically uh, it covers that entire spectrum. So if you could offer advice to the listeners today of something that they could do possibly tangibly to protect themselves proactively or something that they could do, do you have any advice for them um, in a way that they could stay ready to kind of yeah. kind of defend themselves against this uh, ec- economic collapse as it looks like we are, any kind of inflation that we see happening right now? What should people be doing today to protect themselves from this inflation and everything that we're seeing happening in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I draw so many parallels in what they are trying to sell us in a vaccine or being vaccinated, right? Protecting yourself from a future attack um, in the form of a virus. Well, we should, thinkers, should also be doing the same to inoculate ourselves against a potential uh, breakdown in society. And that comes in many forms, right? So for me, independence of any government assistance um, is going to be your true uh, way of freedom, right? So being able to uh, sustain yourself um, uh, without the help of the system, right? So meaning, do you need to go to a grocery store? If you do, how often and why? Right? Are you growing enough food or have the ability to grow food if you needed to? Now, I'm not saying that you go out today and uh, plant a whole field of crops and, and start raising cattle. But I do want to encourage you to arm yourselves with, at the very least, the knowledge of, of being able to do that if you needed to. Um, so again, exercising freedom is the best way for us to combat this and freedom of uh, growing your own food, freedom of being to uh, able to provide for your family um, without someone telling you how to do it, right? The, right now, the government is telling you if you are essential and if you are not essential. And that is one of the biggest forms of tyranny because to my family, I am essential, right? My business is essential to my family, regardless if I'm selling candy or selling water. 
It, I should have the choice and optionality to provide for my family because I am essential. And so, again, we should be doing the same thing and, and inoculate ourselves from that potential uh, uh, breakdown in society. What, in your opinion, would be some things that we could do to protect ourselves financially against the inflation that we see coming out? We see a lot of the printing money. The government is printing money. Um, that can only happen for so long. You're in economics. You you know this. That's right. So, so financially, as well as uh, physically protecting ourselves, what are some things that we should be thinking about doing as right. well? Well, so right now there are uh, many ways in 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 protecting ourselves from inflation. So inflation uh, for for the group, and I, I do want to share this because I think uh, sometimes inflation can be um, misconstrued. Inflation essentially is um, too many dollars chasing too few goods. That's the term we use in economics in that I have five dollars that uh, I want to spend. Um, but there's not a lot of things that I can spend it on. And so it, it creates a drive for more dollars to buy the same goods, right? Because there's not a lot of it to buy. So that the price will go up and, and with the circulation of your dollars, uh, being injected into the, um, into the economy synthetically is going to exacerbate that, right? So it's going to create a scenario where the dollar is not going to buy the same amount of goods. I'm going to need more dollars to buy that same good. And so the only mechanism to fight against the rising inflation, unfortunately, are your investments. Um, investments tend to keep up with inflation uh, because as their uh, dollar value uh, rises, uh, it it keeps up with that inflationary uh, variable as well, um, because companies are going to charge you more to keep up with that inflation. So, for example, if you if you see inflation going up, gas prices will also go up, and so when gas prices go up, the uh, company Exxon or BP will also have that um, revenue reflected in their quarterly earnings, and therefore driving the price of that stock. Up. And so, unfortunately, those are the only uh, ways that we can, you know, prevent ourselves from slowly losing that purchasing power uh, by keeping our money in the savings account, for example, where you're earning point zero nothing. Um, you are safely losing money. You know, I, I tell my clients, even though nominally you made five dollars in one year, you actually lost because of inflation twenty dollars. Um, so again, the numbers there uh, can be misleading. And what I will tell your clients uh, or your <laughs> your uh, listeners rather is that you need to educate yourself around how the uh, financial world works only because most of us have a 401k. We have a portfolio, right. right? And so we need to be educated around what my portfolio is actually doing. Um, and I'll leave you with this last tip is that we need to take a look at what parts of the portfolio are doing what um, based on the makeup of your portfolio. So equities, those would be your stocks and mutual funds, are the ones who are growth-oriented and also could battle inflation the most, where your bonds do not. Bonds are very susceptible to rising interest rates. Um, and while they are very safe, have not done... Uh, um, 
what they were supposed to do because again interest rates have stayed relative, relatively low uh and in, in in this environment you're going to experience the most growth on this other side of the equation which are your uh equities and equities are where you're going to be able to fight inflation so equity stocks stocks and mutual funds okay That's right. okay and lastly because i know i've got a lot of questions about this um, currently, we're looking at cryptocurrencies, and there was a big crash in the crypto market today because I think China uh, pulled the plug on it over there. Some things were happening over there. What are your thoughts on cryptocurrency in general? Is it sustainable? Do you think that it's smart to have a little bit in there? What are your thoughts on that? That's right. So in our world, we're we're always using the buzzword diversification, right? Right. Um, and I think it's very smart to look into cryptocurrency, um, at least as a makeup of uh, around five to 15% of your portfolio. Uh, now I'm not telling anyone out there to, you know, uh, cash out your 401k and dump all of your money into right, cryptocurrency. This is not financial advice. That's right. And this <laughs> is not financial advice. Uh, but I think there is room for participation in that space simply because, the uh, technology is wonderful. It's starting right. to uh, uh, gain momentum. It's uh, allowing uh, individuals to participate in technology at its very infant uh, or infantile stages. And as we continue to see the adoption of cryptocurrency, whether that's through Bitcoin or all these other coins, um, that market will only continue to grow. And, and it should be noted that uh, we find these banks are already offering the ETS, which are the exchange traded funds, which um, have a stake in cryptocurrency. So if I were to go to my broker and say, hey, I want to invest in cryptocurrency, these banks like Wells Fargo, JP Morgan are already offering that. And so to me, that signals a um, um, legitimate uh, stance and position that cryptocurrency has in the market. Um, now, what I will warn against is that um, uh, cryptocurrency is still very new. That's a good news. Um, the bad news is that it is not subjected to regular um, regulations that you would find in the uh, regular stock market, mutual funds and bonds and, and, and in just stocks. So right now, we are still trying to figure out if it's treated as a security or not. And um, one of the uh, uh, coins that are currently under investigation by SEC, uh, XRP, XRP yep. they are trying to determine how that asset is to be classified. Um, and so again, what I will tell your, your listeners is that cryptocurrency, I think, is here to stay. Um, and I think, again, it's a wonderful way for us to get in front of what I think will be the way of the future, a way for us to um, decentralize money, meaning we're able to invest into a technology and then share in that technology without the government being involved. And so that gives us a lot of freedom as uh, consumers. And um, it could be a beautiful thing, uh, something that your, 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 your listeners can look into uh, and as a case study is XRP. I, I would uh, encourage them to take a look at that uh, case because it's going to give you uh, an indication of where we think uh, cryptocurrency as a whole and as a market is going to end up. Perfect. Great. Well, we started with uh, Tony Fauci in the Wuhan lab and we ended with cryptocurrency. <laughs> Thank that's you. That's how the podcast <laughs> works here, right? That's right. That's, we go into everything here. 
Um, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know that they're going to love um, all of your information. I'm sure they will love to have you on again. I would love to have you on again. I think you have a lot of really great info on here. So really appreciate it. Um, and thank you guys again for listening. I appreciate all of your support for the page as well. Please share the podcast, get the word out. We need to start talking. We need to have open dialogue and open conversations. Um, we need to spread freedom and we need to spread information. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Everybody have an amazing day. I love you guys.